For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Joined this afternoon by Alinas Lundquist. We are at Gateway before your first practice of the afternoon. So, I know you raced here. You had a doubleheader here last year. That's right. You won one, podium the other. So, not podium the other. And no, no podium in any of them. We had, uh, we had Was a- I looking at the wrong <laughs> the wrong result? Okay. Uh, we had a tire blowout in the, in the first race, if you remember. We uh, uh, It was the yeah. whole tire problem with, with Cooper. So it was my first oval. We didn't qualify that well, uh, but in the first race we drove from fourth to second. Yeah. With a handful of laps to go, and then uh, my right tire blew up, put us on the wall, and then in the second race I was in the spare car. And we went from fifth to fourth. So I guess my first question, and you might not know, did you guys test here? Yeah. Is the uh, tire concern gone? Is it kind of like still in the back of your mind a little bit from from last year? Because I remember a couple drivers kind of a little concerned at, at one point last year. I think that might have been after your your accident then. Yeah, for sure. And I think I was the one that expressed the most concern. Obviously, after yeah. we had the shunt, uh, there were multiple people that had problems. Um, the problem I think is that at every test that we've done, like the test that we had here at Gateway, um, no issue at all. Yeah. The tires were fine. Um, the test we had at Iowa, no issues, everything was fine. But then you saw James Rowe went out in the race after 35 laps. Exact same thing that happened to my tire here last year. Yeah. So it seems to be something that's happening in the race, whether it's heavy fuel loads or running in traffic and something that, that happens with the tire, I don't know. Um, so it's tough to say. Obviously, Cooper has been trying to, to get on top of it. And um, it's difficult because at the tests, it seems fine. But then you come to the race and it doesn't seem to be fine anymore. So... Uh, We'll see. Um, they made some changes for for this weekend, but um, I mean, last year what happened in race two? If you don't remember, like they split it into two halves. Yeah, yeah. And obviously competition, little, yeah. red flag sort of situation. Exactly. Yeah. After thirty some laps, the red flag that everybody had to fuel up new tires, and then you go again. So um, obviously that's not the plan for this race. Um, let's just hope it it holds together. Is the race length the same as last year? Yeah, seventy five laps. So an idea I've floated before and like I'm no expert so I could totally be wrong for indie lights especially as you you know progress to IndyCar and you incorporate you know pit stops in laps out laps would an idea almost be to like at some tracks like simulate a pit stop like you have to just like drive into pit lane stop for five seconds and then go is that a realistic idea especially at a track like this where maybe it just cools down the tire temps for a lap and saves it or is my idea terrible? And you can say it, it's okay. <laughs> I think uh, the night might not be the best idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, obviously, for the for the whole spectacle, like to simulate a pit stop doesn't doesn't really make sense. Um, 
obviously it would kind of be good practice for IndyCar, but I think also that's one of the challenges going to IndyCar, yeah. like make sure that you learn the in right, the in right, and out right. lap and good at the pit stops, and that's why you see teams doing, you know, one or two days at Sebring at December, and they do eighty odd pit stops in a day um, because it's most most of the driver to to get ready enough for it. So I think that's just part of the challenge going from a junior formula to to the top. So when you're leading an Indy Lights championship and you know, being talked about in IndyCar next year. I'm sure you've had conversations with teams and whatnot. Is it hard to stay focused on like, hey, I still like still have to win the championship first? <laughs> no. Um, okay. I wouldn't say so. Uh, more so the other way around. It's very easy to remain focused and fixated on Indy Lights. Yeah. That's what I'm here to do, to win races and yeah. trying to win a championship. Um, so sometimes you, I almost need to tell myself, hey, you need to start looking for next year and make sure that yeah. you're in a good position because like the number one most important thing is obviously results and race wins and winning championship but you also need to position yourself and see what's out there because to be honest like it doesn't matter really how good you are if you're winning races like not every team is going to be calling you and see if yeah. you're available you got to call them um, so yeah, it's been it's been a lot of work trying to position myself for for next year, and um, hopefully we've done a good enough job to see what we can do. Have you had conversations with more than a couple teams at this point? You know, we're three quarters of the way through August, so I'm sure a lot of stuff is already spoken for next year. But I'm sure there's still enough that can happen. Yeah, um, I think I've had conversations with basically every team in, in the paddock, okay. um, and. Uh, like you said, obviously there's not an abundance of seats out there, uh, and some are already spoken for. But hopefully we we can find ourselves in, in a spot where, where we'll be in for a full year. Obviously that that is the target. So having you know being part of HMD, I'm sure you talk to co-host of our show David occasionally, and and kind of like see what he's learning in IndyCar. But are there other drivers that you've gotten to talk to on race weekends that you've been able to learn something from, or just kind of pick their brains and? Uh, who's been the kind of the the leading fo force and who you've talked to this year? Yeah, David. Obviously, this year it's good because we were teammates last yeah, year, so it was yeah. kind of good to, to bounce off him a little bit. Um, but then my two Swedish drivers, obviously Felix and Marcus, uh, I know them pretty well, and we chat every now and again. Uh, and especially, I think more so last year, uh, just being on the road to Indy and yeah. the tracks and stuff like that. So, and honestly, you know, some information about IndyCar teams, like who to speak with and what do you think about this okay, and that, yeah. etc. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely good to, to have him on board. What do you think of uh, David's rookie IndyCar season? Very impressive. Yeah. Super impressive. Um, you know, it, I think it showed very much what you see with other drivers. Like, it took him probably three, four races before he started to get comfortable. But then it seemed like when, when he got comfortable and they, they got the car in his window where he likes it, I think it's shown from what Detroit and onwards that you know he's that fast six in Detroit. Yeah. yeah, fast six in Detroit. He got a little bit of confidence after the five hundred. After that, you know, he's been comfortable. I think the pace for like top ten, top five, almost every weekend. So um, and the thing is that like I knew it, the whole team knew it. We saw it last year, like sure. it's super fast. Sure. So uh, just get him, you know, comfortable and within this in his sweet spot. You know, he's gonna be right up there. So David's a pretty outgoing guy. Is there a fun story about David that you can share on a podcast that maybe the uh, world does not know? Um, <laughs> on the podcast? Hmm, I don't know. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, we, we had we had many memories from, from last year yeah. together, uh, and obviously it was a pretty close 
fight between us because yeah. we, you know, it was between us two and, and Cal for the championship, and obviously I dropped out a little bit towards the end, but uh, we, we had some good fights, but it, the good thing, and I sort of, I think we set that from Barber and, Barber and onwards, uh, like we, we sort of sat down and had a chat a little bit after race one, we're just like, you know what, we're going to know race hard but we're still going to be respectful um and it was pretty clear on that so it was uh, it was kind of good because obviously i came in as a rookie he's done a year in life before and obviously yeah. the team knows him very well so it was sort of he sort of sort of took it just like all right this is how we're going to race now yeah. Like, yeah okay we'll do it it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today. So looking back on the season so far, you just won in Nashville. What? So I know what Indy car drivers think of Nashville. What do Indy Lights drivers now think of Nashville? Awesome. Love it. Okay. Obviously, I say that because yes. <laughs> we came off a win. Uh, but I think it was awesome. You know, I love street tracks, uh, and yeah. it was a tough one. I mean, the section from turn four to turn eight, the back section, is probably some of the most fun and challenging corners that I've ever experienced in a car. Um, and the city as a whole. I mean, the atmosphere was awesome. Uh, great to see so many people there, and obviously just going out for dinner afterwards. It was just just so cool. So. Did you get to explore Nashville at all then a little bit? In yeah, what Nashville at night, yes. <laughs> Are you a country fan now? Um. During that weekend, I was, yes. <laughs> but as soon as I left Nashville, I was just like, ah, maybe not. <laughs> so I always, like, I don't, I don't like country music. Yeah. But, like, being in Nashville and seeing, like, live music at, like, 10 o'clock in the morning or whatever when you're walking around town, like, all right, this is pretty cool. This is cool, like, yeah. in the moment. But yeah. afterwards, yeah, I don't. No, I don't that, really that's, a, that's about me as well, you know. It's kind of nice seeing them with a the cowboy hat yeah. and everything. I'm like, yeah, I can get into this. Did you buy a cowboy hat or cowboy boots in Nashville? I did not, actually. Okay. I'm pretty okay. sad about that. Uh, but it will be on the list for next year. <laughs> <laughs> So the one section of Nashville that like always strikes me as tough is going down the bridge mm-hmm. afterwards because you kind it's bumpy and you're also breaking at the same time. Yeah. How do you set up for that corner without you know breaking too early and letting somebody by you? Like how how difficult is that section? Ah, super in a tough. Car? It's it's one of the toughest one, and I think we saw that in the race with some people having lockups and and it's such a high high speed entry and high speed braking so. If you turn a little bit too much and start hitting the brakes, you lock the right front so easy. Right. And it's and it's one of those lockups where like if you hold it for too long, the whole tire is gonna be gone. Like it's not where you can drive right, through right, it. Like, right. the, the tire might explode. So it's one of those like high risk, high reward because you can very easy like gain just a tenth or a tenth and a half by really putting it all on the line. 
but the, the the line of doing a mistake and doing it perfectly is very very thin so um, yeah it's definitely one of the most challenging corners i think on, on the whole calendar um, is there any race and i mean you've pretty much finished on the podium most weekends is there any race that you've had that you're like you know what if i could do one over again what would it be uh two two races i think qualifying in road america uh yeah. is one because we always do two sets of tires in quality yeah. we did before when it was 30 minutes uh we were p1 on the first set and then on the second set on my on my was going to be my best lap i went off track with one one corner to go um and it sort of put to put us p6 instead of possibly a front row start so that's one thing uh and the other thing is the collision in um, indianapolis with rasmussen in uh, race one so yeah, i think yeah. you know that should have been a p1 or a p2 at least is that the when it rained uh no that was race two the one okay we won. Yeah, yeah. The race one was in the dry uh we had a fight and then on lap three or four we came together in turn two or whatever it was so road america carries your take your teammate christian bogle had a pretty gnarly accident there yeah. going over the curb they're repaving it this winter do you hope when they repave it that maybe that curb is flattened or reprofiled so that you don't have the i mean i know it's very unlikely that it would happen but just so you don't see a car go launching like that in the air again yeah i mean it is unlikely but we still saw it at the same day at the pro 2000 race we yeah, had yeah. someone do the exact same yeah. thing and I don't think it's a big difference that needs to happen. The only thing is that it can't just be one big chunk curve. Like, if you just flatten it out a yeah. little bit, what happens is that we won't take off. We will just bottom out on it. Right. Now it's, like, such a big jump, so the whole thing just throws it into the air. Uh, and especially, like, at Road America in that braking zone, you know, we're doing 170-something miles an hour. Yeah. So it's pretty fast. So you've got Portland and Laguna after this. Is there, you know, are you, are you in the, listen, I just want to win every race mode, or are you more focused on whatever points I can get, I can get, and let's just wrap up the championship? Um, I do this because I love winning, so <laughs> I'm very much in the, in the still yeah, trying yeah. to win as many races as I can. Um, Is there a point, like, if you're in a race and you're, you're battling somebody, you go, you know what, let me back out here a little bit because I need to worry about the points more than I do a win or p2 mm, i don't know i i think i kind of have that mindset like even at the start of the year yeah because i know that during a season like it might be worth settling for p3 than risking it all for p2 yeah um so that mindset mindset haven't really changed from race one to this race um you know obviously you want to win when you get the chance but if you don't if you're not fast enough on the day if you don't have the car beneath you make sure you're p2 otherwise make sure you're p3 etc so I wouldn't say my mindset has changed, um, but obviously it is nice that we've built up a bit of a gap because it leaves you some breathing breathing room as well. So, last question: Portland Turn One is like the craziest, one of the most difficult turns on the track. How do you approach Turn One when you're, you know, you're on pole, you're on the front row, and you have twelve cars behind you going for literally one spot of real estate? Yeah, uh, me and David has some. Some castles <laughs> in Portland last year, if you remember. Yep. yep. Uh, so, so we know that one pretty well. Um, we'll see. Um, you know, there's been a lot of tracks that, like, let's say Indy Turn One is one of those as mm -hmm. well. Like, you go into a, monster, a really tight 90 degree corner um, where you got, like I said, 12, 12 cars gunning for you because you, uh, or at least the guy leading. Um, <laughs> so there's been multiple of those. Yeah. Um, the only thing you can do is just. Know, trying to be smart, break as late as you can. Um, 
I mean, it's, it's difficult to say. Everything depends on where you start as well. So we'll see. Cool. Well, good luck, man. Hopefully, next time we talk, you're uh, up in IndyCar. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.